Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Sermons Podcast. I'm Stuart Cutler, I'm the Minister at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. St Ninian's is a local ecumenical partnership between the United Reformed Church and the Church of Scotland. That means that we reflect the traditions of both denominations in our work and worship. This week we focused on John chapter 7, verses 1 to 31. So let's hear this passage read by Jim and then hear the sermon. Reading from John 7, verses 1 to 31. Jesus goes to the festival of tabernacles. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one wants to become a public figure, acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going to this festival, because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, Where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Jesus teaches at the festival. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you're all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, although actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken... Why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Division over who Jesus is. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this man there they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching to the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, 
and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but you who sent me is true. You don't know what you do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him, they said, When the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? Amen. One of the most interesting questions I think Jesus ever asked his disciples is, But who do you say that I am? It's a question that Jesus poses in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke. And I think it's a question that we don't give nearly enough attention to. Who do you want the Messiah to be? And why? And I wonder why we don't think about it much. Perhaps it's because we think the question's already been answered. We got Jesus. He's the Messiah and that's that. But in Jesus' time, the identity of the Messiah was a hotly contested question. People hoped and thought that the Messiah would be different things. And it was fairly easy to see why. The Messiah could be a warrior. A new King David, sword in hand, shield at his side, striking fear into their enemies, calling down judgment, awakening the gods of war to destroy the Romans, to push them back where they belong, to show them that we are not to be messed with. That's what some people were looking for in their Messiah. Or a rebel, a firebrand, whipping up the people with rhetoric and bombast, giving us a cause to rise up for to confront oppression, to proclaim, proclaim freedom for our comrades, to stir the people, the common people, to take back control. That's who some people were looking for in their Messiah. Or a reformer, a priest knowledgeable in the old ways, seeing through the sham, draining the swamp, bringing back the true faith, Cleansing, cleaning house in the temple, restoring what was once so beautiful to make it all that it could be again. To make our temple great again. That's what some people were looking for in their Messiah. And we still look for each of those things. Our political life is full of them. Whether it's in the latest guys as Nicola or Jeremy, 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 <laughs> or even Teresa. We still look for people who will give us what we want or what we think might be the best outcome for everyone. But the problem is we mostly disagree about what that is. And when we disagree, we argue and then we fall out. And we think that people who hold a different vision of how things need to be are stupid or stuck in the past or even worse. We play games with words that make it easy to separate out the goodies from the baddies. I think that given the choice, we, like the people in Jesus' time, would probably all look for a warrior or a rebel or a reformer. Someone to sort this mess out once and for all. But then throughout the history of humanity and our relationship with God, we really get what we expect, particularly when God's doing the giving. We get what we need, not what we want. Giving us what we want has never really been God's style, has it? In our passage today, 
we hear this strange story about Jesus' own brothers who don't even believe in him. And as always with John's Gospel, this incident is set in an interesting context, the Festival of Booths or Tabernacles. It's a festival that takes place in October and it celebrates two things. The first thing it celebrates is the harvest. Booths were the shelters that the workers in the fields would shelter in as they were out in the pasture or out bringing in the harvest. It's also the places they would store the food before they brought it back into the villages. But the second meaning is connected to the exodus. Booths are temporary shelters. And so when the people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they stayed in booths or tabernacles, temporary dwellings, tents that moved around from place to place. And one of those tents was the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the place where Moses and Miriam and Aaron met with God, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And so this festival celebrates God's presence and God's provision. That God was with the people as he led them to freedom and also that he provided for them along the way. So John uses this festival to show us once again who Jesus really is. Jesus' own brothers want some demonstration. Show us for sure. Because we're not certain anymore. But Jesus isn't about to be brought into Jerusalem on the crowd's terms. He's already divided opinion. He caused controversy by healing someone on the Sabbath. That's the bit at the end of the reading, that's what it's talking about. He has this argument where he says, well, you circumcise people on the Sabbath. You literally injure someone on the Sabbath. And you do it because Moses said that you should, to keep the law. And you're angry at me because I healed somebody on the Sabbath. You need to get your priorities right. I restored someone to life. I took away their pain and their hurt. And you want to kill me because of it. But the crowd want to know if this guy's for real. Is he the real deal? Before we put our trust and confidence in you, we want to know, are you for real? Because the consequences of throwing your lot in with somebody who turns out not to be are almost unthinkable. And so they ask the question that we all ask, who are you? You see, nobody wants a rabbi. Some guy without a home, teaching the faith, leading the way, traveling around, healing the sick, restoring relationship, enlightening minds, changing lives, revealing hypocrisy, uncovering the truth, opening eyes and asking questions and telling stories. That's not the Messiah that anybody wants. And they don't want that kind of Messiah because that demands us to change. We need to change to meet the needs of others. Not for everyone else to bend their will to ours. But that's the kind of Messiah that Jesus is. He tells us in this passage, my teaching is not mine, but it's his who sent me. Anyone who resolves to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God, whether I'm speaking on my own. Those who speak on their own seek their own glory, but those who seek the glory of God, there is nothing false in them. And the crowd's stuck. 
stuck between knowing where this guy Jesus came from. He's Joseph's boy from Nazareth. How can it be him? And yet they know what he's done. He provided bread for the masses. He healed someone, restored them back to life. And that's impossible to do unless God is with you. So they're stuck between knowing who he is and not really being able to grasp who he could be. And John's John's gospel, the question, who do you say I am, not unsurprisingly, is posed in a slightly different way. In chapter 14, Jesus asks, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And that opens up a huge question. Do you believe me when I tell you who I am? Not who do you think I am, but I'm telling you who I am, do you believe me? Because I think like the people then, we still think the Messiah needs to be a warrior or a rebel or a reformer. And we find it very difficult to get past that. Because for Jesus to be who he claims to be, means that he's much, much more than a warrior or a radical or a reformer. It means that he is God. Just a few moments ago, as part of Fiona's ordination, we stated that the Lord Jesus Christ continues his ministry in and through the church. The whole people of God, called and committed to his service. And we all made promises. Promises to do our part, to do our bit. And that's all tied up in something amazing. Something much, much more. Jesus is bigger than we could ever imagine. And that's the whole message of this Gospel of John. Jesus is the Christ. God in flesh that's what incarnate means in the flesh but for John it's important that we don't just think that this is the first time that God has revealed himself to us Richard Rohr puts it this way the first incarnation of God did not happen in Bethlehem 2000 years ago that's just the moment when it became personal and human And many people began to take divine embodiment as a serious possibility. The initial incarnation actually happened around 14 billion years ago with the Big Bang. That's now what we call the moment when God decided to materialize, to self-expose, at least in this universe. The first idea in the mind of God was to make divine formlessness into physical form so that everything visible is a further revelation of what's been going on secretly inside God for all of eternity. Love always outpours. God spoke the idea, the eternal blueprint called Christ. And so it was. That's what that poem at the beginning of Genesis tells us. 
And John's gospel from its very first line in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And life was a light for all the people. At this festival of tabernacles celebrating the presence and provision of God, Jesus reveals what has always been true. That God was, God is, and God will always be. But in Jesus, this second incarnation, God has made it personal. The Word became flesh and lived among us. Why? So that we could see His glory. The glory of His Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And that has implications for all of us. Roar goes on. It gets better. God has never stopped thinking, dreaming, and creating the Christ. And this one mystery continues to unfold and evolve in time. Paul writes about that in Romans. All of us, all of us, are meant to be the second coming of Christ. I'll say that again. All of us are meant to be the second coming of Christ. How can we recognize or honor this without recognizing first the first creation and the second creation in Jesus? Called to be followers of a rabbi without a home, teaching the faith, living the way, traveling around, healing the sick, restoring relationships, enlightening minds, changing lives. Revealing hypocrisy, uncovering truth, opening eyes, asking questions and telling stories. All of us are meant to be those things, to do those things, to be the second coming of Christ. As soon as we realise that God has been pouring out love into creation from the very beginning, it follows that those who have been recreated in Jesus, us, are meant to live as his people, made in his image, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. We are the continuing creation of God. We are his continued outpouring of love. We are God's hands and God's feet, God's incarnation here and now in this place and in this time. All of us charged with teaching the faith living the way, traveling around to heal the sick and restore relationships and enlighten minds and challenge lives and reveal hypocrisy and uncover the truth and open eyes and asking questions and telling stories. All of us called to help everyone to realize how much they are loved, that they too are God's creation, that life is theirs and ours because God loves all of us Amen Thanks for listening If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon then please do get in touch 
We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook at St Ninian's Church Stonehouse and Twitter at St Ninian's Stonehouse. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 11am, so if you're in the neighbourhood, then please do stop by. We'd love to see you. Thanks again for listening.